This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And welcome back all morning long. We're talking about children who have parents that are serving time behind bars. In the studio, we've been talking to Yvette Harris. Yvette is the author of the book, Children of Incarcerated Parents. We've also been speaking to Kelly Eversole. Kelly is with Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Butler County. They run a program, a mentoring program, where they mentor children who have parents that are serving time behind bars. Now, if you would like more information on the subject, you can now like us on Facebook. You can go to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear and like us there. My next guest knows this subject all too well. She served time in jail and needed care for her four children. She's here this morning to tell her story. It's our pleasure to welcome Kimberly to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Now, Kimberly, first of all, tell us what led you to the criminal justice system and eventually behind bars. Mm, at the time, I was a substance abuse user and um, I was arrested. Well, I actually had to turn myself in because at the time I was on probation for a prior offense. And um, I went on and decided to turn myself in. And from there, they sent me to uh, a CBCF facility um, to do my time instead of going to actual um, prison. Okay. And so how many years did you have to serve? Um, then I, I actually served seven months in uh, the local jail and then in the CBCF facility. I spent five months. I understand that you were pregnant with your fourth child when you were placed in jail and you actually gave birth while serving time in prison. Is that right? Yes, sir. Um, okay. Okay, so most women can't fathom that. Um, tell me about what that experience was like for you. Mm. I felt really lost. Um, and I felt like something had, a part of me had been taken away. I didn't really get to bond with my child. I really didn't even get, I didn't even get the holding, actually. Um, because at the same time, when he was born, he was addicted as well. He had a, he, he, he was born with a substance. And, um. So they immediately took him from me, put him in a incubator, and I never did get to hold him or anything. I was like, as really the next day, they sent me out. Wow. So you were pretty much devastated at that point? Yes. Obviously, you were using. Yes, sir. Uh, and so the baby was born addicted. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. Was your mind clear at the time in terms of drugs and things like that? At the time when I had gave birth? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, now you have three other children. You had so in total, you have four children, and all four children were placed. The oldest three were placed together. I understand. The oldest three were placed together at the time they were aged. My my oldest son was five. Um, I had a, a younger daughter that was six at the time, and my oldest daughter was thirteen. And they all were placed with their aunt in between their aunt and their grandmother. Okay. And so, how did you feel about that placement? Were you okay with that? I'm grateful that um, they were able to stay with their aunts because um, it probably would have been a harder process for me getting them back. But um, other things that happened in between there. But all in all, I was I was satisfied with where they went to. The child that you had in prison that they took away, where was he placed? He was placed with a cousin because at the time he was an infant and she was more able to care for him. And she didn't have any children at all at the time. Okay. Now, you say you saw your children going through a lot while you were in jail. Your oldest child, who was a daughter, she was 13 at the time. What did you see her going through? She was real angry. I got reports that she kept getting into fights at school. 
um, a particular incident. My younger daughter and my oldest daughter were on a bus, um, I guess coming home from school. One of the one of their peers on the school bus um, called their called called their mother a crackhead, and um, my youngest daughter denied me being her mother, and my oldest daughter got angry because she denied me. Um, they got into things like having fights at school because they called them names because they knew me personally. Um, they knew where I where I was. Um, they she would come home with pulled her hair balls out her hair kicked at her, tanned her a lot. Um, and my oldest daughter was sort of the one that kind of kept them together. Don't don't you deny mama. You know that's your mother. And, you know, she had feelings of her own. But mostly she was angry and she grew up kind of fast. And your oldest son, you say that he was delayed. Tell me about that. Um, he was diagnosed with multiple disabilities. Um, like at six months, he didn't sit up at six months like most six-month-olds do. He didn't... Um, he had a speech impairment, and he also suffered from um, ADD. And so was that a result of? That was a result of me using. Okay. Now, your youngest child, because you talked about this, you, your youngest child, the biggest barrier for you guys initially was that you didn't feel connected to him. Is that right? No, I didn't feel connected to him at all. Um, I raised my other three siblings. He didn't really come into my home until he was eight, going on nine years old. So he's actually been with me only five years now. Um, I had to learn how to love him. I know most people think that um, just because you care in a child, you automatically had that love. But if there's no bonding or anything, it's like I didn't know him. He was just a person to me, just a little boy. And I had to learn how to accept him as I accepted my other three children. It was like an emptiness there. And um, I that was a big price I paid for that. We're bonding now. It's like we just we're just beginning to really get used to each other. I'm beginning to notice, you know, hey, um, you're a part of me. I'm noticing, like, what colors he actually likes, um, the things he likes to do, how, how athletic he is. Because in the beginning, he rebelled to come to live with me because he realized as he got older that his other brothers and sisters stayed with me and he didn't stay with me and he didn't understand that. So, so you say he rebelled. He did things while he was in this other home to act up, thinking that they would allow him to come live with you in home and at school. OK, so mm-hmm. and so eventually he he's now living with you now. Were your children allowed to visit you while you were in prison? They were allowed to visit me, but I took a selfish approach <laughs> because I was ashamed that I was in jail and I didn't I didn't do very well with visits. And so I opted the option not to have a visit, but they called so much about me, not them not visiting. I was made to have a visit. And at that time when I did have the visit, my younger, my oldest son, he sat in the corner the whole entire visit because he was really angry because when he finally seen me, he looked at me as if like, where are you being? Because I hadn't called Uh, my youngest daughter sat on my lap the whole time. And my oldest daughter, was just glad to see me. But her and I, we communicated because I always wrote letters, sent pictures. Okay, so we talked about some of the issues that your your children, they were angry, they were being teased and things like that. But internally, what were you going through when you were locked up behind bars and away from your children, when you get the good reports about them, the bad reports about them? What was that like for you? At times, I felt like I was a bad mother because I put myself in a, I was in a position that I was in. 
Then there were other times um, that I felt that I was just totally powerless. Like if, you know, because they were going through the things that they were going through, of course, I automatically felt like it was my fault, but I wasn't there to do anything about it. So that made me feel even worse. Um, Again, like I said, I felt totally just abandoned. I felt abandoned as well, even though I'm quite sure they felt abandoned. But I felt like uh, everything was just stripped from me. I just had no say so in anything. Once you were released, you were able to get your children back. Tell me about that process. Um, in the beginning, um, I asked where my other three siblings are resided at. Your children, my the three, three the sibling three. group. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I asked their aunt if I could um, live there because upon release, I had a job. So um, she agreed with some stipulations. Um, she placed some boundaries there with me. And she strictly told me that she was not going to release them back to me until she felt for sure that I could care for them. So um, I went to, by me having a substance abuse issue, um, I I went to um, Narcotics Anonymous. That's a fellowship that I actually joined. It's a support group um, that helped people as myself that's addicted to drugs. So um, I ended up getting a sponsor. Um, My sponsor worked with me, so she helped me. Um, sort through some of the feelings that came up and some of the issues that I faced. Um, There were other members of this fellowship who faced the same um, issues that I have, and um, they shared with me things that they did um, so that I could get through the renewification of getting back with my kids. Um, One of the things was when I finally did get an apartment, I was given a six-month time limit Mm -hmm. as to... um, finding a place to stay um once i did obtain that um their aunt came to see was it a livable was it livable did i have food um almost as if she was a um two for one worker yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um she made sure all those things were provided um one downfall that i did run into was um once the children are placed somewhere else they usually have a sort of income right so we got in conflict once the the um, I guess the money situation had to be relinquished, and I and I and I I believe I want to believe to this day that she wanted to give them to me because that's what she said, but she had really gotten attached, so it was kind of hard for her to detach. Even though when I moved out, she still was checking in. It started. It was kind of hard for them to start listening to me because they still would go down the street and ask her. Was it okay? Okay. About different things that I asked, um, which overwhelmed me. Um, I was told to give it. It was a process. I was told to sit down and talk with them. Um, I was told to let them know that it wasn't their fault for the for the uh, situation that they were they were in. Of course, they heard time and time again that I said I wasn't going to leave, so I couldn't say that again. Mm-hmm. I had to more so be by example than anything. They watched me. For example. My oldest daughter kept her bags packed for approximately three whole months. I was told to act like the bags weren't there to allow her the process of unpacking them on her own. Then one particular day I came home from work um, and all her stuff was in her drawer. All her stuff was put up. So that's when I knew that they were gaining trust. Okay. So um, how's your relationship with your children today and how old are they? (laughs) Oh, well, actually, my oldest daughter's birthday is today. She's 27. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my youngest daughter, um, she's 20. She'll be 21 next month. My oldest son still, he's still with me. Um, I've been working with him 
through his disabilities, um, he's really came a long way. Um, he's 19, and my youngest son is 14. This is a happy ending. You got your kids back. Your relationship with your children have all been restored. You guys are doing great. And I understand that you are in college working on your master's degree. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Okay, so what got you to that mindset from where you were on drugs, having your kids taken away from you, being in prison? Tell me about this whole process and your whole evolution as a person from that time to where you are now. First, I had the willingness and desire to get my children back. Second of all, um, I never gave up. No matter what it looked like, I never gave up. I took advantage of the resources that were available for me. Um, and then in this fellowship that I belong to, they always tell us to, to pick a higher power. At, time, at that time, people became my higher power, people who motivated me to do something different. I had to trust and believe that whatever they did, I had to believe that they said that worked. And so I had to make it work for me. So I emulated. I watched people. Um, my sponsor, for example, she went to school. Um, so that made me decide to go to school so that I could um, have a better career. At the time, I was working at Frisch's. Um, then I went from, from there working at a dry cleaners. I never did quit one job without having another job. When I left that job, I kept a good work ethic because I'm, I might have to go back to that job. You never know. I was taught those things. Um, and I just kept on just doing what was in front of me. And so now you currently, you work with women who've been through the exact same thing that you were going through when you were in jail, when you were on drugs. Tell me about your career now. I'm a case manager right now, going on two years of being in this position. And it's a humbling experience. Um, sometimes I have to um, keep my emotions out of it because it's it's one thing to read a book and know that these things, but it's another thing to actually have been through it, know what those feelings are exactly like. I can sit and I can I can know the pain because I feel and feel the pain because I've been there myself. I feel it. Um, I know what it is to get a letter, and they're saying that. They're going to take my kids away. I have to calm them down and I have to sit, sit them down and let them look at you have other options. Let's look at your options that you have here. Yeah, you might have to do a little work to get them back, but all hope is not gone. So the main thing that I instill in them is never to lose hope, never to lose hope. All right. Very powerful. Thank you very much, Kimberly, for taking time to talk to us. And thank you very much for sharing your very personal story. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation about children who are parents that are behind bars. We'll talk more to our panelists. For more information about the show, you can now like us on Facebook. Just go to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear and like us there. More Sunday Morning Magazine right after this.